Welcome to America's Top Rebbitzins. In the merit of this class, may Hashem watch over all the Jewish people and give enormous strength to the IDF soldiers, including Hanan Hai Ben Italia, Karin Bat Luba, Karin Bat Osnat, Hava Bat Sally, and Dan Sasi Ben Shoshana. Please click on the subscribe button to subscribe to us on the America's Top Rebbitzins YouTube page, or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you are the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. Today, I'm so happy to welcome Rachel Leah Ismaili. Rachel Leah is an occupational therapist with over 16 years of experience specializing in women's health and healing. She is the founder of Mayim Myofacial Release. That's Mayim, M-A-Y-Y-I-M, Myofacial Release, where she creates a safe, a safe place for authentic healing to occur. Rahaleo offers women a fully integrative mind, body, emotions, and soul healing journey using ancient wisdom and cutting edge myofacial release technologies. Thank you so much for being here. Myofacial release sounds fascinating. So please tell yeah. us more about yourself and what you do. Okay. So, wow, that introduction. <laughs> um, so with, I just wanted to give a caveat to the introduction. It's been, I've been working with women in healing, trauma release, relational, um, relational, emotional struggles, anxiety, um, inner knowing, and coming home to who we are. That's been more about 10 years. And, you know, I say like, I began to step into healing even 20, almost 20 years ago. Wow. Um, but it began really with the geriatric population and just, you know, on a very physical level, doing rehab in the geriatric centers. And I moved into working with children and pediatrics for about eight years. And now it's been a more 10 year journey with women specifically, uh, more the adult population, I would say 18 all the way through. Um, wow. So, yeah. And so, and can you tell us more about like the myofascial release aspect of it? Okay. So we're going to talk about myofascial release. Yes. This, this to me, when I first discovered myofascial release was the missing link that, that I had been looking for in the healing journey as I saw it. When I went to get my degree for occupational therapy, it was how can I, I, I'm very excited to find that nexus, that link between mind and body healing. Where does it lie? Where does trauma lie in the body? How do we release it? How do we heal? How do we access it? Because so many people over time I've seen there are, they, they can talk, they were talking them, them themselves through their traumas, through their processes, but repeatedly talking about it wasn't necessarily liberating them in the ways that they were looking for. So myofascial release, and this is going back, you know, many years was much, it's becoming much more cutting edge now. Now it's almost like, almost like I'm speaking mainstream talk, but right. myofascial release was acknowledging that trauma resides in the body, that there is a somatically held experience in our cells, in our nervous system, in what is called the fascia. So fascia is this beautifully interconnected fabric. I like to think of it as the body's inner fabric. And it surrounds and supports everything inside of our body. Every organ, every nerve, every bone, every muscle, every fiber is surrounded by a completely interconnected fabric. It's the extracellular environment, meaning this, this fabric, it's this beautiful web. If you can look almost like at this picture of water behind me yes we have this inside it's 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 see how it's all completely connected look at the white part yes. that be what fascia looks like in this in the body it's live it's fluid it's connected it's ever-changing it's in motion it's incredibly powerful it's like a network of communication it's a communication system it's our support system it's our body's inner fabric 
So, and it's incredibly multi-dimensional and multifaceted. So, and, I, and, I, and why is it so fascinating and, and just a little bit of history of our understanding scientifically of what fascia is, there was this invention that came out, I don't know when it came out, at least 20 years ago, but when we could ingest cameras into live bodies and see what's happening yes. for live bodies, we got to see, we first got a sense of, wow, what is this dynamic interplay happening within the body, this communication network, this alive functioning, it was this, this not water, but not solid, it, it was like the fourth dimension of water, it's a liquid crystal. Interesting. And yes, and it's communicating. But before this advent of the com of the camera and the body and the live body, we discovered it on cadavers and in the um the, it was like thought of just this empty, unnecessary packaging just to clear the way. Um, you know, for scientists to understand what's happening in the body, they would just remove it as if it was just some sort of extra um unnecessary part of the body. And so our paradigm has radically shifted since the advent of this technology to see what's happening in a live body in terms of our fascia. So, so how does fascia work in the body? There's so many ways. I'm not sure exactly where to begin, but I'm going to start with how it responds to trauma. Okay. You know, when, when we experience some sort of overwhelm, a momentary overwhelm where we have all of those you know, chemicals of survival that spike in our body, the adrenaline, the cortisol, any shock to the system, whether a momentary shock or a cumulative shock over time, fascia responds in the body by hardening and binding down, okay. which is fascinating because in its natural healthy state, it's incredibly open, pliable, and fluid. But there's so there's a and there's a cascade of effects of what happens when the fascia hardens and binds down at from the result of stress, stress, trauma. It could be a cumulative. Um, it could be as something as simple as sitting in a in a posture that's not really ergonomically correct for you, and sh and the fascia will begin to bind down. It could be a near miss in a car accident. It could be a medical procedure that the body perceives as life threatening because the body doesn't know that it's on its way to healing. It right. just knows it's getting cut into. <laughs> so fascia begins that scar tissue. It begins to bind, gnarl, and harden. As it binds and hardens it locks in place those, those chemicals of survival. So now the cells are marinating in the toxicity of the cortisol, of the adrenaline, but it's also holding in subconscious bracing patterns. This is where we get our trauma responses and our trauma, you know, our, our fight or flight actual survival strategies of behavior. It becomes bracing patterns inside ourselves. We might not even be aware we're engaged in. It's also holding in a be beliefs trauma beliefs say you're in a car accident and you're driving your car and it's a near miss and you have to slam on your brakes really quick and the whole body goes like you know it, one, it just goes into this whole fight or flight very quick inside you might have thought to yourself I'm irresponsible I can't do anything right I'm you know I'm I'm a nebuch I'm a mess up I just I can't do it I'm incapable I'm incompetent and it just went and it locked in on that cellular level fascia just locked it in adrenaline is there now, what's fascinating, Vera, is by the time we get home from such an experience, such a near miss in a car accident, we unpack the groceries from the car, we take everything out, we get the kids, we start making supper, help with homework, bedtime. We go to sleep that night and we've forgotten what even happened. It's just out of our conscious memory, but the body's still holding it. This is where they say the body keeps the score. Yes. So it's at this level. And what happened in our fascia is that it it's holding it. It's locked in. Now, fascia is real. This is a physiological manifestation. It's actually happening in a very observable and measurable way. 
So on the physiological level, what's happening is that because the fascia is now hard where it should be soft and pliable, it's putting tremendous pressure on pain sensitive structures in the body and it pulls us out of alignment. So this is where people will come in with somaticized pain, physical pain, tremendous pressure. So you can actually on a physiological anatomical level induce relaxation via hands-on therapeutic techniques, hands into the body, sinking into that nice ground substance level, hold, you'll hold, do a gentle hold for about three to five minutes. At the three to five minute marker, there, the body begins to release something called interlocking eight. It's a natural anti-inflammatory. And the fascia begins to soften. It's like it's restored safety is starting to happen and it softens, it melts, it lengthens. It feels like butter melting or taffy lengthening. And you can feel it like it's this amazing phenomenon. This relieves physical pain. Physical pressure in the body is, is now lengthening and the body has a chance to realign itself, pull itself back into alignment. But there's so much happening because we're such complex beings. We're not just bodies. We're not, I'm not just my goof, right? But I'm also not just my brain. And I'm not just my heart. And I'm not just my soul, because in this lifetime, I'm embodied in a goof. So we're this multifaceted combination of, of incredible beings. We have such capacity. It's, it's amazing who we are. And what comes through with the fascia is that it holds space for all this multi-tiered, multi-level healing. So what I just described to you is that physiological component. Yes. But what's incredible is that we can go higher now, because as I was saying before, that as the fascia hardens and tightens, it's holding in beliefs that we have. It's holding in fears. It's holding in perceptions. It's holding in chemicals of survival that are So it's all getting, so it's, so when the fascia begins to lengthen, soften and melt and it opens the body, mind, soul complex up to have a real completion of whatever trauma the body was holding until now. And so when we go into the completion, we can have an opportunity to go into the next phase of myofascial release, which we call unwinding. Unwinding is really tuning in to your body's wisdom. This is a very organic, almost, almost hypnotic state, a meditative space. This is really using our, the full force of our intuitive, natural healing resilience. It's not something that you can think your way through. This is a letting go. It's a quieting of the analytical right-brained mind. No, left brain mind. Okay. <laughs> the left brain. This this Western mentality that everything has to be logically codified, categorized, and mapped out and sequenced is, is beautiful for so much of life and so much of healing. But we forget and we've almost squashed and crushed this incredible incredible intuitive faculty of the human capacity to heal itself and heal the world. And this is our like our God flow of intuition. And we surrender into the fact that our bodies have this wisdom. This is understanding that the body, the body, the cells in the body have memories and they have emotions and they have consciousness. We're so much more complex than we've ever imagined. Our heart field, you can like measure it now. And it has this incredible frequency, this resonance, this radical resonance that is more powerful than the electromagnetic field that surrounds us. 
Meaning you could feel your heart walls. You can feel into another person's space and you can, you can, there's a memory there. Like the power of what I'm saying that there's memories and emotions and consciousness within every cell of our body, especially in the heart. But throughout, we're tapping into that in the unwinding. So in unwinding, the body moves organically and naturally into positions in space called still points. A still point is a moment where, where the trauma, where the body perceives that the trauma happened. It's the moment in space where we pulled our feeling intelligence outside of ourselves to survive. It was just too overwhelming. This is where the fragmentation, when we talk about trauma, we talk about fragmentation and, and splintering off into parts and parts of us had to go into exile. Parts of us were developed to protect ourselves. That's where the dysfunction comes in in our behaviors and our perceptions and our experiences where we lock ourselves out of life. So there was this splintering that occurred and we, we disassociated and we compartmentalized ourselves. So this it's a moment for reintegration to reclaim, re-embody ourselves in this. There's so much healing that is happening in the unwinding because in this space, we begin to feel everything that we numbed out and we blocked out. So it, it comes in in a force and like, it's like a rush. It's like, the body can shake, it begins to tremor, it begins to let go. It's somatically that is happening. People cough, people cry, people move, people heave, people convulse. It's gorgeous. I'm ex I'm thrilled when this happens. If, I always think if someone were to freeze frame a picture or like video that moment when I'm with my client, they'll think, Rafaela is torturing someone. <laughs> I'm like, no, there's a bigger picture here. This is incredible. This is healing. This is incredibly raw, radical, powerful healing that they're getting permission to feel and become alive where they've been numbed, dead, and disassociated. There's a reintegration happening. So they're feeling what had been locked out until then. Um, and in that space, so much restructuring can happen. This is where you give power to the powerlessness. This is where you give voice to the voiceless, where you, words that couldn't be said can now be said and be reclaimed. Where there was confusion, there can be clarity. Where there was um, lack of love, there can be a receptive receptivity of love. Where there was no compassion, there is compassion. Where there is lack of attunement, there is now attunement. This is a moment of deep restructuring and rehealing. So um, the unwinding is incredibly powerful. And there's also a part of the myofascial release. The, the method I practice is the John Barnes approach. It's incredibly holistic in the sense that we are accounting for mind, body, emotions, soul, goof, the whole you know complex of the integrative nature of human beings. And so then there's also an unwinding, which I would say would be more the subtle energy component of myofascial release. It's kind of, we generate and put into the body um, an oscillatory movement, just this gentle rocking, this pulse back and forth. And it kind of works like um, a saucer. If you could think like, the depth of your consciousness is down at the bottom of the saucer and you're just gently rocking the body to allow the consciousness to come back to surface, to begin to re-experience yourself anew. And this just loosens up the grip of some of that subconscious holding. So it facilitates the unwinding as well. But, but there's more that's happening with this oscillatory movement. There's an, a level of mirroring an attunement that is happening, that is softening the body, that's allowing the defenses to just really settle and rock. 
there's also kind of a nervous system alignment where one nervous system to the other, I'm aligning to the natural rhythm of my client. That feeling alone is incredibly healing. It's so healing. It feels so soothing and good. And in that soothing held place, there's that's automatic healing. Just that alone. Nervous system co-regulation. That's there's amazing. So that's really, yeah. it's, it's fascinating. The whole, yeah. just the whole concept is so fascinating because it sounds like, really sounds like deep, deep, deep healing. <laughs> Very, yeah. yeah. And also, I just I want to ask and just even to clarify, like I know that you were mentioning like uh, physical things like a, a car accident or like a medical procedure, like physical things. But this is also good for emotional trauma. Also, like if somebody right. experienced emotional trauma, let's say as a child and now I'm making it up. Now they're 35 years old, but something happened to them when they were five. I'm just making it up like and it, it's been stored in their bodies for all these years as a teenager, as a young adult. Now they're 35 years old. It could still be it could still be yeah. released and fixed through this process. Right. So say someone had been bullied as a child, Yes. you know, and they're holding in the vibrations of the beliefs of I'm weak, I'm unworthy, I'm less than, and they've been holding that and literally living their lives from this space of the vibration of that belief. Yes. This work is, re it recalibrates our vibrational resonance such that we can be free and liberated in the world and fully expressed as the human amazing being that we are, which is aliveness, which is healing. We were reclaiming who we are, letting go of what's been holding us back and shining our light. That's healing. That's where it's at. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. I really appreciate you really going into depth and explaining that because um, I, I I don't I don't think people really understand the the myofascial release. Like I really think that you really clarified it for so for yeah. so many people. And it could be so helpful for so many people who didn't even know that it existed. And now this is a brand new tool for them that they could look into. This is so helpful. This is so important. I think it's important for um, I think victims of all kinds of abuse. I think sexual abuse is this is a cutting edge space where there is real healing. Amazing. I, I feel so saddened when I feel that people are so locked into the deep impact of that kind of level of core abuse. That's what we think of as the capital T trauma. But this is where it's at. We are doing, we're spinning our wheels talking about things, which is important. There's connection, there's clarity, there's awareness that does need to happen on a cognitive level. But at the visceral level, at the level of the body, at the level of the nervous system, I've just seen it too many times that we need to we need to heal here we need to restructure and restore the body's nervous system and release it from what it's holding inside so that we can have a greater they call it a window of tolerance to hold the full spectrum of emotions without tripping up into triggers constantly so we could just live with ease you know connection. that sounds amazing <laughs> yeah yeah um you're, but like you're saying too it is emotional it's available for emotional healing as well. It's fantastic. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so changing, changing topics slightly. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. Today, today we're actually going to talk about an area of spirituality that you and I are both passionate about. It's understanding more about our soul as it relates to holistic healing. So oh. let's dive in and I want to really yeah. get into it. <laughs> yeah. And I know you have a lot to say about what Hashem is currently opening for all of us spiritually and what is being unlocked and revealed to us at this time. So I want to ask you, what is trending in the world consciousness right now? Whoa. What is trending in world consciousness? <laughs> I'm not a Navi. <laughs> um, and I'm not, a, I don't even know if I necessarily consider myself a Rebbitzin, but I am a highly um, spiritually attuned facilitator of healing 
Um, what also I think maybe might qualify me to even begin to speak on this topic is that I'm working with women um, in large groups on a very deep and consistent basis. In addition to the healing work I do, Vera, one-on-one, I lead seminars, um, you know, transformational healing seminars for women. And we follow up. We don't just leave you after those four days, but we continue in the groups for about six, four to six weeks. So I'm with women all the time. I just got back from a Shabbaton where Friday night, Mote Shabbos, I'm up till three in the morning, just one after the one, having conversations with women on the deepest levels of what's happening in their mind, what's happening in their life, where they're holding, what they're wanting, what we're searching for. So what is the pulse of our generation of what's happening now, what we're searching for, what we're wanting? Um, And I don't know that it's been so different throughout time. What we want are the core needs of humanity, which are the vacuous within ourselves, continuity, integration, coalescence of every disparate part of our being to be integrated, whole, fully expressed, accessible, and alive. We want that within ourselves. And we want that experience with other people. It's, It's in a certain sense, once we have that level of wholeness and integration, what we're doing is we're transcending we're transcending the self where we want freedom, but we want freedom to, to be in that space of meaning the open heart space where I'm so connected with you that it saturates the inner essence of my being. I feel so full because I'm so open and interconnected. I'm a, I'm a, I'm aware, I'm a, I'm present for the love and the interconnectivity that exists within humanity, especially as claw as a claw Yisrael. We're like this heartbeat for the world so we need we crave we yearn for that experience almost that that sinai experience where we've let go of the fragmentation trauma is trauma is fragmentation separation which leads to the necessity of protection so they say you can either protect or you can connect we want that we want wholeness and we want connection that's what's happening here. We want achdas, deep, deep embodied achdas, where your pain is my pain and your joy is my joy. Exactly. I feel like I feel like all of Jews really, really want that. Like you can see them all uniting. We're recording this just for people who are listening to it way in the future. It's February, uh, February 6th, 2024. And this is a couple of months after the October 7th incident where Hamas just went into and attacked, attacked Israel and killed so many people. And right. the Jewish community has really, really come together. And I, I feel the actus. I don't live in Israel. I live in New York. But I feel it even here. We've all come together. And even just this morning, I saw something on Facebook. It was about a woman who had lost her son in Israel, and she was she was giving an interview, and I was crying. I don't know her. She lives in Israel. I'm in New York. I don't know her at all, but there I am crying, and she lost her son because I feel connected to her. Yes, yes. There is this connection that is, we don't have to do anything necessarily to achieve it. We just need to settle into the essence of who we truly are. At the, It's like there's this ocean, and at the top of the ocean, it's all these choppy waves of of, they seem so disconnected one from the next. But if you just sink down a little bit beneath the ocean surface, it's just this oneness and stillness. We have that within ourselves. And as a, as a claw, this oneness, it's there. And in that oneness is all the beauty of who we are, the compassion, the courage, the connection, the calmness, the center. Yeah. 
That is so beautiful. I love the way you put that because it's true. It's so beautiful. But but I think also what's important is that we give ourselves the time and the space to feel that because in our lives, we're so, I don't know if it's for you, but I know for me, I'm always running from one thing to the other. Oh, it's, you know, it's frenetic. crazy. It's a frenetic pace. I was just saying someone, it's always Arab Shabbos. We're yes. So fast, which makes sense because we're at the, we're in the Arab Shabbos in the dawn of history. Yes. Yes. Right. The, the millennium right before Mashiach. Exactly. Oh, Mashiach today. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it, you're, you're right. If we give ourselves that time and the space and just in the solitude and the quiet that we really should car be carving out for ourselves every day, I'm guilty of not doing it, but I'm just saying, you know, ideally we can feel that and we can connect more to ourselves. Like we were, like we yeah. were talking about earlier, we can connect right. to ourselves and we can connect to, uh, to our, our whole tribe as a claw, you know, the whole community, right. all the Jews. Yeah. Yes. And it doesn't take a lot of effort. It just even within 60 seconds, we can come into that. It's almost like a 60 second spiritual reboot of self, of coming into the essence of self, of who we truly are underneath. And this is the part of us, Vera, that's really untouched by all of the circumstances of our lives, the traumas, the, the moments of desperation and separation. There is a piece of us. This would be our the highest, the point of our soul that is really still and connected and, and and merged with the endless light that is Hashem. But the beauty is that we are not actually meant to hang out there forever. We are in this world. We're in Olam Hazes. So we go there, we go high, we feel it, we connect, and then we pull the power, that soul power, down the levels of our soul. There's like this Yechira and then the Chaya and the Nefesh, the, the Neshama, the Nefesh, the Ruach and the Nefesh. I'm going in reverse order of the levels of our soul, but we pull it down into this low world and live it here and illuminate the world here with that incredible light of our endless soul. That's where we're all one. That's so beautiful. I really love that. Yeah. Um, so speaking of, uh, speaking of like trauma that we were talking about earlier and speaking about the events of uh, October 7th, which, you know, obviously caused a lot of trauma. You know, so many people have experienced different types of trauma in their lives. And as they say, a trauma with a big T and a trauma with a little T. I know that you have a lot of experience in the healing space, as we talked about. So can you please help us to fully understand exactly what trauma really is and explain to us some of the various pathways to healing our blockages that were caused by trauma, maybe something that we haven't talked about yet, you know, yeah. just about the different types, just explain trauma and the types of healings that are available to us. So I think trauma is any, in the most simplest form, is anything that has overwhelmed us to the point that we experience fragmentation, separation, or disassociation inside our bodies. Um, what happens as a result of this disassociation is that we do lose our voice. We lose a sense of personal power. And we begin to see ourselves in a very distorted lens and distorted vision, which causes us to perceive the world in a way that's distorted. What happens is we perceive threat and danger where it doesn't actually even exist. And now we're responding to the world from a place of I'm in danger. So now I have to protect myself, shield myself, hold myself back, stay small, unexpressed, or, you know, overly, um, overly magnanimous. I become like the, the chesed lady, the life of the party, just to survive inside the part of me that feels in danger and threat of feeling invisible, small and insignificant. So we're constantly functioning from fear and survival from a traumatized, fragmented body, mind complex. So healing, the pathways to healing are 
multifaceted, but ultimately anything that brings cohesion to the soul and to the self so that we can live with the authenticity of who we truly are from an empowered, connected, alive, fully expressed, loving space. That's the end goal of trauma healing. And so how do we get from here, fragmentation to coalescence, from separation to wholeness, from protection to connection? How do we traverse that path? So yes, there are many pathways. And the way I like to see it is that the multiple pathways of healing correspond to the levels of the soul as the Arizal points out, or Rabbi Nachman of Breslau. So I alluded to it a minute ago, but I'm, if you know, you permit me, I'm going to allude to it again in Please. a little bit more detail. Yes. So the levels of the soul, we have the the most visceral cortical, this world level, which is the nefesh. That's like the embodied, when we talk about somatic healing, that's going to correspond to the level of the nefesh. Mm-hmm. We're going to regulate the nervous system when we're going to have that radical, radical resonance of heart that is nefesh, hands-on therapeutic body work, like myofascial release, like we're speaking about. That's nefesh level healing, which I don't want to underestimate its importance and its value. Just because we're talking bottom level soul, this is really where it's at. This holds, this is like the heel. It's holding all of the above levels that I'm getting ready to speak about. Yes. It's this bottom up cortical level healing, which is so important for liberating the body of what it's been holding energetically release it, open it up, find your voice, find your power, find that primal scream within, shake, cough, cry, let this go and be witnessed, be held, be seen and receive, receive the voice that you have lost. Toning, making, toning is a way of this nefesh level healing, making sound, letting out pain just through sound. It's like, it's, it sounds messy. It sounds silly, but it's part of our healing repertoire. It's like, you know, making a sound like, uh, just releasing it. Nefesh level healing. I'm going to put breath work in nefesh level healing, but I'm also going to put it in the next level up, which would be ruach. So it's nefesh, ruach. Ruach is our emotional sphere. Um, so I'm, I'm going to put actually maybe breath work. There's all the rage and I'm leading these groups as well. Holotrophic breath work healing sessions. I personally prefer them in group, but I offer them individually as well. This is where you attune to a certain frequency level of breath. This is not the kind of breath you want to do in a panic attack. This is not that parasympathetic activating calm, rest and relax breath work. I'm talking about activating breath work where you send so much oxygen to your body, into your blood, into your brain cells that you literally awaken altered states of consciousness that you can no longer you're no longer capable of resisting the feelings that you've been trapping inside. You must, you're, you can't hold back. You just go into the emotion. You go into the feeling. It re, you find yourself crying, opening up, releasing so much subconscious holding. The breath takes you there. It is unbelievable. It's a combination of breath, um, guided intuitive facilitation so while once i've induced this level of breath and this level of oxygenation into the body that's opening up the pathways for emotion to come forth there are music that i've calibrated to match the journey of the breathwork process to take you deeper so certain frequencies beats rhythms will help like a like kind of guide you deeper into your personal space of healing where you need to go 
And then I will come around and individually kind of press on different parts of the body, attuning my intuitive awareness to what it is this individual is working through. So it might be forgiveness for one person. It might be empowerment for another person. It might be finding your voice for another. It might be permission to cry for another or to feel safe and protected in their skin. So, so it's a kind of a, a multi-part process, but the breath is the primary method of taking you there. It's, it's this oceanic breathing where you just, you only breathe through your mouth, kind of open your mouth and you find your rhythm. It's like fully in, fully in, fully in, fully out. And you'll, it's, it's fascinating. People will begin to feel dizzy. I say, that's okay. That's natural. Just go into it. Um, but the power in, in this Ruach level healing is, is incredible. It's, it's your neshama. In Hebrew, it's neshima for breath. Neshama, neshima. So now let's move up a level of the soul to the neshama. The neshama is where we have um, our cognitions, how we perceive the, ourselves in the world, our beliefs, our thoughts. Neshama is that kind of like higher cortical prefrontal cortex healing where we're going to make sense of things. This is where your classic cognitive behavioral therapy will take place at the level of neshama, where you might reframe things of what you previously thought were one way. Now you can expand your vision and see it differently. It's incredibly important. This is a place where we can crack the code of your, our personality. In the seminars that I teach and in the individual coaching that I practice, a lot of it is here. It is, I'm, I don't negate one level of healing just because I'm such a proponent of, of body work. I still think that understanding the way we work inside is incredibly important and liberating for us to know what have I been believing about myself? What are my core fears? What's been generating the persona that I projected onto the world just to survive? What are my methods of survival? What are my defenses? What do they look like when I'm triggered? Knowing that about myself helps me to come into a space of personal compassion, liberation, and understanding. And then I connect it back to the body. So let's say I am getting triggered. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to the, the chasana and, you know, I, there's this, you know, incredibly dynamic woman or everyone looks beautifully dressed and I'm starting, you know, I'm starting to get, my heart is beating, my hands are getting clammy. And, you know, I know though, because I've done my work, like, oh, well, insignificant is coming up, boring, um, dull, ugly, unimportant. Oh, that's all coming up for me. I know, I know, I know my inner world. I've done this work. I've of the cognitive level understanding. So now I can, but now I can let, I can anchor it in the body and say, well, where is that coming up for me in my body? Maybe my heart feels constricted or maybe it's in my jaw or maybe it's my belly and I can send that part of me some love or breathe into it, you know, move it out a little bit, shake if I have a private space to go and really speak truth to the shepherd that that body heart is holding, which is the truth is, is that I am a unique refraction of Hashem's light in this world that cannot be replicated as each of us. And I can go forth into that reception and shine my light. I don't have to go from fight or flight persona to survive that I can be present and really be a, a light for for the be a, a safe address for love in that room where everyone's so grateful that I'm there because their light can shine in the presence of a fully illuminated solid person wow you give permission to others to be there too wow so we're just going up the levels of soul now we're, we're at, that was at Nishama. now we're going up to Chaya which would we would say that's like the observing ego. This is our space of mindfulness where we have thoughts, but we are not our thoughts. 
we're the observer of those thoughts. So this is that place of, you know, of ratzon, of connecting my will to Hashem's will, really rising up above the cacophony of all of that meaning making that my my monkey mind might be involved in. It's the observer that ultimate, it's like detached from all of the things we make so much meaning at. Oh, she looked at me this way. She didn't look at me this way. She snubbed me. It's like, I'm not attaching to that so much. I'm rising. I'm transcending. It's a transcendent space of self. That's the Chaya. And then there's the Yechira that we spoke about, that Pintala Yid that is Kulo HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Or Ein Sof, the, the magnanimous self that that centers our entire being that we can tap into to give light and illumination to all these other parts. Is that is that our true self? Like, would you say the Yechira is like our truest self? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's the MS of who we really are. And I'm going to say something really special here, Vera is that when I'm going to take it all the way back, that we were in Gan Eden as Adam and Chava. So that was the ultimate space of a fully expressed, alive, attuned, and you know, self-loving, incredible beings that we were ideally meant to be. We had translucent skin, our eyes. We could see from one end of the world to the other. We were confused as Malachim. Like, we were, whoa! You know, we the the Khalakalokaimi Mal was palpable inside of us. We knew who we were. We knew it. But when we ingested of the Eitzadas Tovara prematurely, we were meant to partake, but after Shabbos, we needed to develop and create more Kali, more vessel to contain the complexity of that light. But when we ingested prematurely, the primary degradation we experienced was one of the original traumas of mankind, which sent us into this perudum, this, this distortion, separation, fragmentation. But what we lost was the knowledge of who we really are. That's what we lost. And all healing since then has been about rectifying that hate and coming back to the truth of who we are. If we only should know. And that makes so much sense. That makes so much sense because we, yeah. we, we came from the original and we're so dis dysfunctional and fragmented. All of us, you know? All of us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's why there's so much pain and suffering in the world because we're not we're not who we are. We're not in touch with our authentic selves. We're trying to get that back. And that's why there's so much healing that's occurring. There's so much healing that's happening. It's amazing what's becoming available. Yes. It's really special. Um, you know, they say, you know, we just passed the Parsha of Yisrael where we received the Torah at Har Sinai. And it says that at that moment of, of receiving the Torah, all ailments were healed. Those that were blind could see, those had limbs. We, there was a, the ultimate refuah, shalema, hanefesh refuah, guf, occurred as we were receiving the Torah. So we spoke earlier about achdas, and we're talking about integration and wholeness and healing as pathways back to who we really are. Yes. And I want to suggest that that wholeness is, a, is an end in of itself, but it's also a means to even a greater level of revelation. Like that wholeness is the conduit by which Hashkash can reveal himself most, where, where we can experience the most of Vegas. It was almost a pre, it was a prerequisite for Matan Torah for Hashem to reveal himself to us. Wow. With, this is, and this is so, this is really, this is really cool that it says Yisro, he heard two things, you know, Vishma Yisro, he heard two things that made him want to leave 
all of it behind, all of the revelations and gishmaks of whatever he was experiencing as he was a priest of, of the um, of Odazaras of the world. But he heard something so profound that made him drop it all and want to run to be a part of Klaisra. And he's so important that he has an entire parsha that doesn't, you know, there's no extras in the parsha and in, in the Torah. Everything, every little, every little thing, every space between the letters is so significant and so important. So to have an entire parsha named after this man is shows shows the significance of what he contributed to the world and what he tapped into. And so the Yishmael Yisro, he heard two things. He heard about the war with Amalek and he heard about Kriyas Yamsuf. So what is the core underlying principle of both of those two things that brought him, magnetized him back into the claw or to, to be a part of Klai Yisrael? So we spoke about this a little bit with the war we're experiencing with Amalek now, with Hamas. It creates actus. Suddenly there's a unified, all the differences just drop away, they melt away, and there's a unified mission and purpose. A hundred percent. We are together. And that, he was just like that level of achdus. Now, what about Kriyas Yamsuf? Kriyas Yamsuf, we start in, we start in Mitzrayim where we were just, we were on the 49th level of Tuma. I mean, one second later, we were going to be, we were going to be stuck. We had to rush out of there because that Tuma was fragmenting us and fractioning us to the point of possibly no return. But we went through the waters of the mikvah, of the Kriyas. It was like a mikvah peeling off layer and layer of klipa, of separation, letting it go, letting it go such that we could emerge in this level of wholeness. And then we sang this Shir Shalyam and we rode the wave of that musical of music. We use that as a conduit for even greater coalescence of our neshamas and that level of achtas once again. It was the achtas that he saw. So, and it's not just, it's, a, it's an achtas of an interconnectivity between each other. Like we retain our separateness, but yet we can merge as well. And that capacity to hold the paradox of separation and integration is so beyond powerful it's like almost the goal of itself it's, and and when you think about it when he created all of this structure of laws and governance that should be existing in for Moshe Rabbeinu so he wouldn't exhaust himself right okay great you created governance that's that's nice you're a good advisor no he was something so much deeper he was creating almost like this incredible tree so you have these rulers over the thousands and then like think of them as branches these huge massive branches off the tree trunk of the central messianic figure whose power was unbelievable. But so you have these massive tree trunks that are the rulers over the thousands and then branching off those connected still are the rulers over the hundreds and then branching off those even more refined over the rulers of the 50 and then even smaller ruling over groups of 10, ruling over groups of five till we each become our own Moshal ruler of ourselves. But we're all connected on the same tree. He was giving Moshe Rabbeinu and Klai Yisrael this envision of ourselves and printed into our day, DNA that we are interconnected. Wow. The Eitzachayim, the Eitzadas Tovarah can collapse into the Eitzachayim. We can experience the oneness of the truth of who we are as an individual and within the claw. And that is the healing of trauma. Not in a true any... healing of trauma. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And from that place, we become this ultimate radical resonance receptor for Hashem's light into this world. Wow. Deep, right? I was just going to say that's deep. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm taking a minute to let it sink in because it's so deep and so beautiful. And it resonates with me because it's so true. Like it resonates with me like on a deep soul level. It's not yeah. just like a surface. Oh yeah, I get that. No, like I I get that like on a soul level. It's like so 
it's like you're speaking the soul truth. I don't know if that's making any sense, but I, I resonate with what you're saying on a soul level. Yeah. Yeah. That feels good. Yes. Um, so we, we have time for one more question, but I think it's an important one. Um, okay. You know, it goes along with, with the healing that we're talking about, because as, as part of the process of our healing, we're often able to access our subconscious self that is linked to the pathways of our innate Emuna and Bitahon. When we have access to Emuna and Bitahon, we are able to enhance our davening, our praying, and our authentic connection to the divine, to Hashem, to God. So I want to see if, can you please explain to us how healing ourselves can help us access our self, subconscious self so that we are truly able to align ourselves and to become one with Hashem? You know, basically, how can our healing heighten our life experiences and our day to day relationship with Hashem and our relationship with each other and ourselves? Mm, wow. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go for that. Um, I think the way that it helps us with our amuna, you know, how does healing help us to access and amplify our amuna, our capacity to have activated amuna, which is our betachon? I mean, it's really, it's a two-way street. When we activate our amuna and betachon, it influences our healing and our healing influences our amuna and betachon. So we're going to go from the healing to the amuna and betachon because that's the direction of the flow of your question. It is, yes. And so um, one way to look at healing is to clear away what is not the truth of who I am. Okay. So when I let go of all that I'm not, which, you know, which would be those trauma beliefs, I'm not insignificant. I'm not a misfit. I'm not an outcast. I'm not um, powerless. I'm not voiceless. I let go of the shekin of, of what I've been telling myself about myself. I let go of the subconscious bracing patterns on a visceral physical level. I mean, I let go of, of holding my jaw clenched all the time. I let go of the micro muscle movements that present themselves in a traumatized state. I'm free. I'm open. I'm expressed. I get full range of the, of my voice can, can take a whole new octave down or up. I'm, I'm not, I, I, you know, I have full resonance and I can move, you know, when I let go of who I'm not, I clear the pathway for who I am and who I am at my core, that my natural state of being is one with the Abishtar, with is one with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. My Amuna is my natural, is my natural self, my natural state. And it only gets better and better. So once I've plugged into my Amuna, because I've let go of what I'm not and just what is uncovered, what is just revealed is who I am, which is a piece of the infinite. By, na by, na by nature, by definition, just believes in Hashem, cleaves to Hashem, is Hashem, pulsates with the vibrations of the creator. That is the essence. It's just the truth. It's just there. Once that happens, now it just gets deeper and more intense and more amazing and more up and up and up. It's incredible because what happens with Amuna is that it functions in this way that it draws forth the Yeshua into reality more and more. I heard this amazing gematria from Rev. Daniel Katz recently, where he was talking, he said that he pointed out that the gematria within Amuna, you have the word Amain, and the gematria of Amain is 91. The gematria of tree, Elon, is also 91. Meaning, and here we are in the dead of winter, we've just had Tubishvat, where the sap begins to rise, life force is drawing up, even though to the naked eye, to our perception, it's just death, destruction, coldness lifelessness and you know let's just turn around and go to sleep because it doesn't look too pretty out there but beneath the surface what you can't even see is the life force rising 
And I want to remind us all that beneath the destruction of what we see that is incomprehensible to the human mind and eye, there is a hidden life force rising up in the recesses of this world. The sap of creation. I mean, a human is compared to a tree in the field. We are this tree. So the sap is rising, but what activates the sap to really rise and sprout forth is the belief, a main, the amuna that we we use to say, yes, I see, I perceive, I'm going to believe. Even It transcends my logic. I can't access it with my eyes. I can't see it. I can't hear it. I can't feel it, taste it, touch it, smell it, know it. I don't have access to it, but I believe Lamaila Minateva and that the creator of the world is good. He's doing good. It's only getting better and better. And the sap is rising, though I can't see it. I activate my Amuna, and that causes and draws forth the Yeshua to come forth into reality even more. Meaning we have this capacity of co-creation via our Amuna. It activates the Yeshua to happen in ways that completely radically upgrade, enhance, and transform our individual lives. If we could tap into this secret of the power of our amuna, of the power of our, our wholeness as a pathway to this amuna, we can live with everything we yearn for. We can transcend and live and activate those pain into places of incredible sprouting for greatness, for devakis, for aliveness, for healing, for transcendence. We don't have to live in the darkness. We don't have to live in the suffering. Yes, there's pain, but we don't have to live in the suffering. The pain can be the portal to our power. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. I love that. So it's through really through increasing our Muna, um, our faith, our faith in Hashem. I think so. And I want to add that really I see it as, as three parts. So we said it's healing is the letting go of what I am not, which is the ultimate teshuva to return to the truth of myself. Yes. The truth of myself is is an Amuna embodied being. I am Amuna. David Amalek said, Anila Tefila. I, I, I am my Amuna. That is who we are. So it's letting go of who I'm not, activating my Amuna, my natural state of, of being. And then we need to embody that in the goof and really like dance, like feel the simcha, the tanuk, the joy. That that catalyzes the Amuna to have its co-creative faculties to bring us deeper into the Yeshua's that we seek. It's it's a it's a combination. It's the mindset shift, it's in the heart, and then it's in the body. All three matter, all three count. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. I have like, you know, I, I've always wanted to ask somebody this question and it's going to seem like a really far out question. So I apologize in advance. And if you don't know the answer, it's also fine. But at least to ask the question, to bring it to the forefront. Okay. Yeah. You know, because we, we've been talking about like returning to our authentic selves. And I think like, you know, as we were talking before, like we all, we, we are ourselves. Nobody's going to know our own authentic selves better than us. You know, that's just the reality of the situation. Okay, this this question is going to sound crazy, but I'm going to ask it. Here it goes. Okay. <laughs> what if we're afraid to be our own authentic selves? What if yeah. we're afraid to get in touch with our authentic selves? Because what if that means, okay, now I'm in touch with my authentic self. That means like the way that I'm living now is really not in line with the way that I want to be living if I'm to be expressing my full authentic selves. That means like everything is going to have to radically change, radically, you know? And that's a big fear for people, you know? So like- it's just easier to just live 
a life of a sheker, a life of lives, a life of just like what I'm doing, you know? So I just wanted to see if you have any thoughts on that. What's the phrase that they say, like the devil that I know is is better than the- The devil that I don't know. Yes. The devil that I don't know. Meaning yes. like we, we, um, we live in these spaces of dysfunction, of survival. Yes. But if we can justify it and kind of wrap a whole story around that dysfunction. Yes. Which is something we say, this is something that, that I'm drawing forth as wisdom from the seminar that I teach. It's called The Possible You. I have to put a plug for it because I'm going to draw forth wisdom from it. The Possible You, created by Rabbi Yumtov Glazer. And here's something we teach in it that speaks to your question. So we have this level of dysfunction, survival mechanisms we've created for ourselves that literally truly limit us and lock us out of the essence that true magnificence of who we are they keep us small safe protected confined and totally dysfunctional but we wrap <laughs> a narrative around it we wrap a story around it yes and we call it functional to ourselves otherwise yes. known as self-deception we are deceiving ourselves and your question is saying but what if i want to live in the self-deception right yeah and a lot of us a lot of us do because it is familiar. The dysfunction that's familiar is so much more comfortable and easy than stepping through our deepest fears and risking failure, risking rejection, risking losing my sense of control or auto autonomy that I think I have, stepping into the mysteries of the unknown, what's gonna be? Or what if I get physically hurt? What if there's all this fear that could happen, but these are not kosher fears. <laughs> these are not coach i mean maybe physical pain and suffering we want to put a helmet on if we're going to ride a bike a motorcycle but but these are not real kosher fears they're keeping us small and contracted and held back in life and if we could only see that if we were to dissolve the shaker inside of ourselves that we ingested at etzadas tovera the shaker of i'm incapable i'm unwanted i'm unworthy i'm not good enough we live with this literally vibrating inside and that's what vera is keeping a small we don't want to touch the pain of that it's yes. too scary it's too scary if we think it's going to flood our system it's going to overwhelm us yes right and so there's this beautiful system that i like that i practice as well it's called ifs internal family systems that this creator of it dick schwartz is his name he created the system to address the parts of us that say i want to stay small i want to hold back i'm staying small such that the the exile part of me should never have to feel the pain because the pain is going to overwhelm me. Right. So I think bringing awareness to how, what is happening is the first step towards being liberated from it. Saying, yes, there are parts of me that are actively wanting to keep me small because it's holding these beliefs and these beliefs have so much pain. But once we come to the point where we realize, well, what's the default of all of this? What's the impact? Who's getting hurt? Someone's getting hurt by this level of smallness and living and self-contraction and containment and dysfunction, someone's getting hurt. There is a relationship that is not as connected. We are holding our light back from the world. We are you know, procrastinating, um, withholding, refraining, not participating fully in life, or we are, or we are firefighting, or you know, screaming, lashing at it, people, hoarding food, spending money, overspending, all of those addictive things that we do to numb the pain, to not feel the pain people are getting hurt. And so there comes a point when we say to ourselves, Ad Khan, like no more, no more. The pain is just not the greater good. I can't do this anymore. I'm not willing. It's that there's this beautiful quote that says it, there comes a point 
when the pain of staying, staying stuck tight in the bud is more painful than the courage it takes to bloom. Yeah. There comes that point where it's just, I can't stay like this anymore. It hurts more than the, it hurts more. And I just must burst out. I mean, I had that moment in my own life. I was like, I can't stay like this anymore. There is a dynamic, vibrant, vibrating, pulsating soul that is deep and needs to express and needs to put her hands on humanity and help hold their hearts and heal them. Yeah. When I was working in the geriatric and I, and bless all ages and stages, everyone deserves healing. But when I was helping people lift the dowel to get strengthening, to, to make the insurance cut to so the, the rehab center would be reimbursed by their reinsurance. And there's a Holocaust survivor in front of me who has a whole life history and story and soul that needs to be liberated. But all I was doing was having them lift the dowel to strengthen the muscle so they could put their pants on. I was tight in the bud. My insurance was paid for. I had a nice salary. I had a predictable day, but come on. Does that, what would the world, what would I, how could I stay stuffed in that space? I had to just, I was bursting. I can't stay there. So what was keeping me stuck? There were impact. It was impacting my relationship. It was impacting my mothering, my friendship, everything. Yes. All the women that whose lives that I would eventually need to touch. Right. We can't stay. We, we, I think the answer is odd con, like no more. I can't, I can't, the pain is too great to stay stuck. When that happens, we burst forth. But until that point happens, I recommend things like IFS, which is to get to know the parts of you that are afraid and understand what are their concerns. Speak to that and see what their positive intent is in holding you back and see if you, they can give you some space so that the truth of you can shine forth and really take the courage to feel what you need to feel in order to heal. I love that. Perfect answer. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rahalea, for joining us on America's Top Rabbitsons. In the merit of this class, may Hashem wash over all the Jewish people and give enormous strength to the IDF soldiers, including Hanan Hai Ben Natalia, Karin Batluba, Karin Badosnat, Hava Batsali, and also Dan Sassi Ben Shoshana. Thank you so much again. My pleasure. My holy pleasure, Vera. Thank you so much. This was a really fascinating talk. I enjoyed every minute. Thank you. Me too.